gospel message. Earlier today in the Bible class, we were talking about young peoples and this thing that is very common with them as far as, I guess, some narrative that's probably on social media or that's in their groups of discussion where they, they have an issue with the Bible. They have an issue with the interpretation of the Bible. They have an issue with Christians' uh, belief that about hell and sin and sinners and who sinners are. And not even, you know, saying that Christians are kind of unfair about saying people who don't accept Jesus are going to hell. That why do Christians believe it is their way as opposed to any other way? And they also question the the authorship of the Bible, who wrote it, uh, believing it was written by uh, old Jewish men who had an agenda, therefore everything was skewed in their favor to make it easy for them, but pretty much oppressive for everyone else. And how to address these youth, or how to address these beliefs, or these arguments, or these um, concerns was sort of the topic of discussion. And when I, I, I was praying about it just now, and what, what is just upon my spirit, and I'll try to keep this very, very brief of that. At the end of the day, for all the diplomacy that we can apply to addressing these concerns, and, and we, we should, I don't know if diplomacy is even the right word, but definitely compassion, definitely not come off as uh, Bible thumpers or radical condemners and things like that. We have to use godly wisdom when responding to people. Uh, the Bible says, um, let, your, let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to answer every man. And it's absolutely important and uh, there's another verse that says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but must but, but must be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, correcting those who oppose themselves. If peradventure, the Lord will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of their sin. So both of those Bible uh, passages clearly emphasize that there is a manner in which we need to address these types of situations where um, people are either need to be convinced, need to be educated, need to be taught, need to understand the Bible better. So we, we can't come upon come up as like, you know, know-it-all or, or, or holier than thou and, and things like that. The Bible seriously warns against that. Um, so when I was just thinking about it, the anything that seeks to deviate us from the word of God, I'm not even talking about the written book Bible. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the living word, the, the, the center 
of salvation. No Jesus, no salvation. That's it. God was always there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always been in existence since the beginning of time. But when it comes to now redeeming us from the condemnation of sin, this is where Jesus the Son comes in. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So that deviation from believing in Christ, believing in the gospel of Christ unto salvation, which means accepting Jesus Christ, uh, surrendering to him, living in him, because salvation is in Christ Jesus, Satan will do anything to cause that not to happen. The ergo of the deceit, you know, if he deceives people enough to doubt the word of God, to doubt the authenticity of the Bible, which is the first thing many of us have to get into the word of God. It is usually the Bible, what the Bible says, and then that stirs something in us by the, by, by the grace of God. Not be, he calls us, we don't call him. He draws us to himself and, and we answer the call or we reject the call one way or another. But at the end of the day, it is his invitation. But Christ comes to the door and knocks. We have to open it. He does not open the door. He doesn't force his way through. He knocks and we open. So anything to keep us from opening that door to Jesus Christ, that is Satan's number one goal. His goal is company in his condemnation. He knows his lot. He knows he has but a limited time on this earth to do damage. So his goal is to get as many people as he can to share in his eternal condemnation. So that's where the deceit comes in. So these young people or these old people, whoever people that are in this position where they are doubting everything, they are doubting everything because again, the agents of Satan are roaming around the world sowing seeds of deceit. That's what they're doing. And in this time where things are not as rigid as they were before, where society has just taken a turn for liberalism and, and hey, questions and that don't just accept everything that was told to you. Question everything. Do this, do this. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. However, when those questions are coming from a heart of unbelief or a heart that where you have gone to church, maybe with your parents or your family all your life, and you get to a point where you're now doubting everything and things are going on and are putting you in a position of questioning whether God is real or whether Christ is real or whether Christ is the only way. All these doubts, these are the things that are going on. And the reality is when that starts to happen, right? When that starts to happen, we have to be honest about the source. We have to just be honest. This is not about the approach right now. This is just the source of it all. It is the enemy. It is the enemy. Because not only is he sowing seeds of doubt, he is giving an alternative, quote unquote, truth. See, remember what, how he did it in, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He didn't, he didn't come out to give, he, you know, he took what God said and now started spinning it. And this is exactly what he's still doing now. Nothing has changed where he's still doing it. But now he has so much at his disposal in this present time. In every time that changes between now and whenever uh, Christ comes to rapture his own, 
if if times change, he will still use the times to do his bidding and and he continues the manipulation. He continues the lies. So let us just first start from where it is. Let's call it what it is. You know, it is the deceit of Satan. Satan is deceiving people. He is spinning the truth. He is taking everything because he owns nothing. God has given him the power to do this deceit, but he owns the things he used to deceive are not his. Remember, he's a thief and a liar and a murderer. So all he does is take from what God created and try to now manipulate it to use it against God for his benefit, but at the end of the day, unto his own condemnation. So we have to come with the, with the, with the honesty of what we are dealing with. We are dealing with Satan and his deceit. We are dealing with Satan, master manipulator, father of all lies, chief murderer, chief thief. This is who we're dealing with when it comes to this. So let us not just come into this thing with, with our chest out and acting like, you know, this is a matter of intellect. This is a matter of common sense. This, this is spiritual warfare at its finest, at its most basic. That's what it is. So now the next step is the how, and that's what those passages that I, 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 I shared in the beginning of, of this um, message are all about the how, how to approach it. Because remember that the second passage, and I forget the, um, the verse that it, the book of the Bible that it comes from, it's either Timothy, I think it's second Timothy or second Peter, uh, where it says, if peradventure, the Lord will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Let us understand who we are dealing with here. It is Satan. It is Satan deceiving people. He is deceiving people. Now, where those people are being deceived, I would say pretty much totally and completely, because this is not a possession at this point. They are not possessed. It's not like the madman of Gadara walking around with legion. That's not what's going on here. This is complete and utter deceit where he is hoodwinking them like Eve in the Garden of Eden. And they, being Eve, are going to their respective Adams and everyone is deceiving everyone based on the deceit that Satan is deceiving them. So we have to understand that, oh, where we are, we might think of it and say, ah, it's just the age, it's just the generation. Yeah, it is the age, it is the generation, but it is Satan at the root of it. We do not battle flesh and blood. We're not battling intellect, we're not battling science, we're not battling generation X or generation Y or whatever we want to call it. We're not battling new age technology, we're not battling any of that. This is Satan. Spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness of this present world, powers, principalities. This is what is going on. So we have to be very, very kingdom-minded, Christ-minded, God-focused while we are considering this thing. It is a serious matter. And for we who do believe in God, 
who do believe in the authenticity of the Bible, who do believe in Christ, all by the divine, magnificent grace of God, we also have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant because where we might not be deceived in the same manner as these people, whoever these people, I'm not just going to limit it to young people because there are a lot of grown-ups who feel the exact same way. So we who are not in that camp, we also have to be mindful of the deceit that we have been deceived with also with regards to fully coming into the light. And what I mean by that is that in, 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 in think of a house, right, that has a, a security system, it has a, a, a security system with cameras, and you have cameras positioned in several parts of the house, right? And so if an intruder comes through the part of the house where the cameras are pointing, then the cameras are going to catch that intruder. But keep in mind that a camera cannot span every single corner of the house. They are what they call blind spots. They are blind spots and people who are professional thieves or burglars or whatever, they, they usually stake out places before they go in and run. And they kind of know where the cameras are, so they know how to go through the blind spots. They know how to navigate to avoid the cameras. This is how Satan works, right? Satan works like this in even in believers. I'm not, and, and again, the, and when people hear this, it's almost like people get offended because like, oh my God, I believe in Jesus. I can never believe. That's not true because many of us have parts of us that we will argue till Jesus Christ comes back that there is nothing wrong with me doing this thing or me being this way or Many of us have blind spots in our lives that we have not come into brokenness about. There is something about the only way, Jesus, the only way to appreciate how the love of God forgives our sin, how the blood of Christ washes away our sin, the only way to appreciate that is to understand what, how God feels about sin in the first place. If we understand the magnitude of what sin represents to God, how offensive it is to God, then we will now appreciate when he says, I forgive you of your sins, that your sins which were as red as crimson, I will wash them away and you'll be white as snow. We cannot appreciate that until we understand just what the sin constituted in the first place. So when we, when we are in darkness, in places, because when the light of Christ comes in, it exposes everything. There are no blind spots. This is not like that security camera that only points to certain parts of the house. The light of Christ opens up everything. Nothing is hidden from his light. And the number one person that needs to recognize what was exposed is the person in whom it was exposed. Until there is brokenness in every corner, we cannot appreciate the redemptive work of Christ. Because when Christ says he breaks every chain of bondage, that is it. Every. But some of us still have chains in the nooks and corners of our temple where there is still darkness. And that darkness is like we protect it because we don't want to feel broken. I don't know why a 
lot of Christians are afraid of feeling pain. The pain of remorse. The pain of repentance. I don't understand why we don't like to feel that. We talk about pain when people offend us. We talk about pain when we don't get the things that we need. We talk about pain when we are longing for something and God doesn't answer our prayers and we have to suffer in this and suffer in that. That is the pain that we're very quick to stand on a mantle and talk about, especially if the Lord has delivered us from that thing. But the pain of brokenness, and I don't mean the brokenness of being hurt. I mean the brokenness of this is my life before God and I regret it. This is my life before God and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. That pain of coming into the knowledge of, in, in the midst of all the way that God has been blessing me, I still have this thing that I cannot let go or that I will not let go. Coming into the knowledge of I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, or I walk in this iniquity. I am still held hostage by this thing. We don't like to say, I am that man. Remember when Nathan gave Joseph the, 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 the soliloquy or the, par the parable of, oh, there was a man who did this and there was a man who did that and he did this and he took this man's land and did this and King David in his in his self-righteousness rose up and said that person must die. That how dare this person? He didn't even make the connection. It, it didn't even dawn on him. Like he gave the whole example, hoping. You know, there are some people who, who don't like being direct because they like saying things and they say, well, the person is gonna get the message. You know, they like to kind of like always create scenarios and not say things as they are because they're like, ah, the person understands, they're going to get the message. David didn't get the message. The prophet gave the example, he didn't get the message. He said he rained decrees and declarations and said, this is what's going to happen to this person until the prophet said, you are that man. And what does the Bible tell us? It said, he was broken. When he realized it was him, when he now, he now got it. Up until then, he didn't get it. He knew he had done a wrong thing, but it did not break him. He wasn't broken by the thing that he did. He wasn't broken by the transgression. He wasn't. He might have felt sorry. He might have felt bad, but he wasn't broken. It wasn't until it was now revealed to him, until the light of Christ shone in his life through the word from the prophet, it wasn't until then that he was broken. And then he now went and repented before God. And God forgave him and said, even of that adulterous, murdering King David, that David is a man after my heart. It is not because we have sinned. It is because we recognize our sin, are broken by our sin, truly repentant, coming to God, asking for mercy, and then rising up from the ashes and sinning no more. This is what the Lord wills of us. This is the brokenness that the Lord wills of us.
And this is what Satan doesn't want to happen. He doesn't want us to get forgiveness like that. He doesn't want us to be broken. He doesn't want our, our the, the, the light to shine and expose all the hidden, you know, the blind spots in our lives. He would rather that we walk in blindness, not necessarily in spiritual blindness, because we believe in God. We believe in Christ. Yet, it is not thorough because we still have blind spots in our lives that the light of Christ has not revealed yet. Because we won't let him. We won't let him. We won't let him shine his light to reveal the blind spots, the dark spots, the hidden corners, the chains that still exist, the bondage that still exists. And those are dungeons that we know are there. Or maybe are just oblivious. Maybe we're oblivious. Some of us know, but we haven't felt the, the, the pain yet. Some of us are completely oblivious, just like King David was. But if we want to know, we want to know, we just need to ask him to show us, and he will. We need to ask the Lord to show us, and he will. And when he does, when he does, we have to let the brokenness do its work. We have to let the brokenness do his work. What Satan likes is a proud man or woman in the midst of the light of Christ coming in. Satan wants the man or woman to say, well, okay, it is what it is, or whatever the case may be. That's what he wants. He doesn't want the breaking. But we have to allow the breaking to happen because it is only in that breaking that our souls are redeemed from deceit and violence. Satan is busy in these end times. He is busy, he's crafty, and for the most part, he's, he's doing damage. His lot is settled. He's already condemned. He's waiting to enter into his condemnation. But we are not of the condemnation. We are those who by the grace of God in Christ Jesus, will live and reign with him. But we have to make sure that our souls are being redeemed from deceit and violence by the only one who can redeem them. And this is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it is in his light and in his spirit and his life that we are truly redeemed. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.